acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and I write the Dear Therapist Advice column for The Atlantic. And I'm Guy Winch. I'm the author of Emotional First Aid, and I write the Dear Guy Advice column for TED. And this is Dear Therapists. Each week, we invite you into a real session where we help people confront their biggest problems and then give them actionable advice and hear about the changes they've made in their lives. So sit back and welcome to today's session. This week... We're in session with Anna and Chris, a young married couple who came to us after Anna, who is pregnant with their first child, discovered that Chris had been lying to her. The thing that hurt me about it was when I see tons and tons of messages to his female coworker and asking things like, how was your day? That was really hurtful to me because that's something he should be asking his wife. First, a quick note. Dear Therapist is for informational purposes only. It does not constitute medical or psychological advice and is not a substitute for professional healthcare advice, diagnosis, or treatment. By submitting a letter, you are agreeing to let iHeartMedia use it in part or in full, and we may edit it for length and clarity. In the sessions you'll hear, all names have been changed for the privacy of our guests. Hi, Lori. Hi, Guy. So what's in our mailbox today? Today we have a letter about secrets in a marriage. And here it is. Dear therapists, I am five months pregnant with my first child, a time that should be flooded with warm and bubbly emotions, junk food cravings, and trips to the local baby clothing store. However, the past several days have been filled with crippling anxiety and an emotional pain I didn't know existed. You see, I recently found out that Chris, my husband of one year, is a pathological liar and in my mind, an adulterer. Unbeknownst to me, Chris had been meticulously hiding over $20,000 in credit card debt. How he did this, I still haven't a clue, since we had multiple in-depth conversations around finances before and during our marriage. To make matters worse, several charges to these credit cards were for an online adult subscription website, the deepest cut of all. While he claims he considered this to be only porn, in my mind, he had an affair. These charges were dated during the months in which we were trying to conceive our child. Despite everything, I love him deeply and desperately want this to work. However, the emotional pain and betrayal I feel is unbearable. I recently set strict boundaries with accountability and set up our first couple's therapy appointment. But what if this isn't enough? How on earth do I survive this? Sincerely, Anna. I really feel for Anna because pregnancy is a time when people often feel a heightened sense of wanting to feel safe and protected. And 
there were things going on that she didn't know about, and now she is feeling very unsafe. And so I think this is really less about whether it's money or infidelity and more about deception and honesty in the marriage. I agree. And I'm really glad that today both of them will be on the show because this is not something that she can repair alone. They need to repair it together. And they have a time concern because once that baby comes, their hands are going to be full. It's going to demand so much of their attention. They really want to try and get in a better place than they are right now, certainly. So it's really important that they're both here today. Yeah. So let's go talk to them and find out what's going on. You're listening to Dear Therapist from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a short break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Dear Therapists. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lori Gottlieb. And I'm Guy Winch. And this is Dear Therapists. Hi, Anna. Hi, Chris. Hi. Hello. Thank you for coming on our show. Thanks yeah, for no having problem. us. We wanted to start by hearing a little bit about how long you've been together, how you met, a little bit of the history of the marriage. Yeah. So we've been married just over one year. We have been together for... I would say over three years now, we actually met online and up until marriage, our relationship was very good, very positive. I feel like it was very healthy. And then once we got married, certain things kind of happened gradually that started to affect our relationship. What kind of things started to happen? 
So I noticed that I would catch Chris in white lies every now and then. And at first I just disregarded it. I know that everyone tells a lie at some point in their lives. What's an example of a white lie? What you call a white lie? Just talking about social media. It'd be like, oh, who are you talking to? And he would say someone that he was not talking to. And I would be like, oh, that's not what you said. Little things like that. That just kind of broke down trust very gradually. Can I ask why you were asking him who he was talking to? Did you suspect that maybe he was talking to someone that he shouldn't be? Yes and no. At that point, I trusted him. But I feel like I have trust issues in general. And so that voice in the back of my head was always um, just wanting to get that confirmation. Why was it that you only started asking once you were married, but for the first three years of the relationship, those trust issues didn't really come up for you in the same way? I think if I'm being perfectly honest, I think once we were married, we were more comfortable with each other and that pressure of keeping the peace, I guess, was gone. And so I felt like I was more able to ask those questions and put a little bit more pressure on him that in that way. Chris, can you tell us about your perspective, just about the dating and the relationship, how it proceeded, and then we can get to these exchanges at the beginning of the marriage about the white lies? Yeah. Dating started off long distance and it was, it was good. Like with my company, I was able to travel on weekends and if I couldn't travel that weekend, then she would come down and see me and it worked really well. And then I think just kind of as we got married, I kind of lost a little bit of that. I, I wouldn't say spark, but it just lost a little bit of, the excitement of seeing each other on the weekends or something to look forward to. And I got pretty engrossed with work because COVID hit. And then it just kind of seemed like a a little bit of a downward spiral around then. In what sense, a downward spiral? I was working extra. So I was tired and I was working extra. She was tired when we came home. It wasn't like the fun, let's go on dates. It was the, hey, let's watch a TV show. And it kind of a little bit got, I would say, to the point of like a daily regimen that was pretty repetitive. Were you voicing any of that? Is that something you brought up in conversation to Anna saying, hey, we're falling into a bit of a rut here. Let's shake things up. Mm, Not really. I've always been kind of a to myself kind of person. Like I have never sought therapy or anything like that until just a couple of weeks ago when we started doing all of our healing, I was a pretty self-internalized person and I would go through ebbs and flows of emotions of being frustrated and, and not wanting to talk to her about it, but not really talking to anybody about it. Why not wanting to talk to Anna about it? I've kind of been a, a lone wolf for a pretty majority of my life. And so Talking to other people about my problems was never really anything that I did. My parents really don't talk to each other about their problems either. They just kind of do their own thing. So I guess a lot of it would be learned, but just kind of what I was comfortable with. It's interesting that 
both of you were having these thoughts and feelings that you weren't voicing to each other, even before the marriage. For you, Anna, you have this history, which we'd like to hear a little bit more about, about not always trusting the person that you're with. And I don't know, Chris, did you know that about her? I know that she's had some pretty rough relationships in the past. Like there were passing conversations or comments that kind of led to the understanding that there were a a little bit of trust issues, but I didn't think anything really significant. So you were both afraid to show up for each other. Anna, you didn't tell him that this is a big issue for you. Yeah. For three years. And if you had suspicions, you kind of said, well, I don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. And you, Chris, when things started to feel a little bit repetitive or mundane and you missed the excitement of earlier in the relationship, you didn't say to her, hey, this is how I'm feeling. What can we do? Mm-hmm. So when you got married, was that the first time that you were in the same city together or did you have any time in the same city before you got married? We, at my request, moved in together right around when we got engaged, which is about a year earlier. But it was still kind of new and exciting, and we hadn't really formed any of those patterns on the day-to-day yet. And Chris, you said that you are a lone wolf, but had you been in relationships before? And is this something that has happened in previous relationships where you feel a certain either frustration or something's not going the way you want, but you have trouble working with the person you're with? To figure it out? Yeah. I've had one serious relationship outside of Anna. It lasts just over one year and it was a pretty unhealthy last six or seven months. It was constant arguments. She would just find little things to, to argue about and then just try to blow them up to see what I would do. Can you tell us what those sounded like, those arguments? I mean, anything from like a comment that I'd said or, you know, if I missed a turn going somewhere. I mean, you name it. We've argued about it all. Did you end that relationship or did she? I did. Mm -hmm. Did you try to talk to her about how criticized you felt in the relationship? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was it was a constant conversation. I pushed that relationship probably a little further than I ought to have because it was my first serious relationship. I wanted to grow the most that I could in a relationship so I would be ready for something serious again after that relationship. And so I took it upon myself to just try to be patient and understanding and listen and just kind of grow some of those skills, even though it was in an unhealthy environment. So in that relationship, would you bring up that you felt criticized and that you were concerned about the volume of the criticism or would you just respond when you were criticized? I would bring it up outside of it on occasion, but more often than not, it would end up leading to another argument of some sort. And so I just kind of stopped. Was there anything that happened in your relationship with Anna, even early on when things were exciting that you didn't bring up because you were sort of trained not to, or that if you did, it would lead to an argument. I would 
get upset at like stupid little things, but I kind of just kept it to myself because I figured it was more advantageous to learn how to live with certain things. And that's something I still do that I need to work on. I'm just curious about how you observed that when you were growing up. You said that your parents never talked about things. So what would you do with that as a kid? And what was going on that you felt they should be talking about? Oh, I feel like they should have talked about everything. (laughs) My dad was a construction worker, so he'd be gone from 5 o'clock in the morning till 7 or 8 o'clock at night every day. And then he'd come home, and it was basically the dad show. It's, you know, do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. My mom has used me as like a crutch for complaining about things that she's unhappy with. I feel like that those frustrations, for example, could have been brought up to my dad. So instead of talking directly to your dad, she would talk to you. Yeah. Did you ever say to her, hey, I wish you'd talk to dad about this instead of me? Sometimes. Definitely more, I'd say, in the last couple of years. You were saying earlier that the instinct was not to talk to Anna if there was something that was frustrating. Did you notice that that was the same strategy your mom had of just like deal with the frustrations or find someone to vent them to, but not actually direct them to the person that's causing them? A little bit like early on, I would talk to my mom about it just to vent it out because that's, you know, she used me. I could felt like I could talk to her and she would generally give me some pretty decent wisdom, I would say, but I felt like it was kind of like a, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. And I had mentioned these white lies that were going on at the beginning of the marriage. And I was curious about your take on that. What was going on for you? What was that about for you? At least on our social media, we had kind of like, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing. And it would just be like, you know, who you talk to? Oh, nobody. Or, you know, coworker. Or, or whatever. Yes, they were co-workers. A lot of them were female. And there were a couple of times where I went through his messages and discovered a ton of messages with a particular co-worker. And so that was obviously not something that was disclosed to me. Yeah. And I didn't really think anything of it in the moment as being inappropriate because it's just platonic conversation with coworkers. Anna, he's saying it was all platonic conversation. So is there something that came up for you where you didn't believe that? Or do you have some philosophy that he shouldn't be friends with women, which is something different from him lying or deceiving you? I would say the thing that hurt me about it was at this time he was in training for his new job and I barely heard from him, which is understandable because they're very busy. However, when I see tons and tons of messages to his female coworker who he's in training with and asking things like, how was your day? That was really hurtful to me because that's something he should be asking his wife. You know, how was your day? What's going on? And instead of asking me those things, he was reaching out to his female coworker. And so while, yes, it was platonic, technically for me, it was still hurtful because it felt like there is 
some sort of emotional void being filled by talking to her. Anna, can you tell us a little bit about your history with trust issues and when those first started coming up in your life? Yeah, I would say it definitely started with my childhood and in particular, my mother. She had a very troubled past of her own and didn't really have the tools to be like a good mother. And she is very dishonest and manipulative in a lot of ways. And there was one particular instance where about 10 years ago, she basically spent my dad's retirement 401k and didn't tell him and he found out about it and they were separated for a while because of it. And it's just the, the fact that she wouldn't come forward and admit it even after being caught. She just really has a very big issue with being honest. And that's something that's really, really affected me. So both your mom and your husband spent money in secret. Yeah. Can I ask how old you are? I'm 32. Okay. So this happened in your early 20s. Growing up, you had a sense that she wasn't honest. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. There was a lot that she hid from my dad. For example, she would take us to the store and you know buy us ice cream or something. And she'd be like, okay, don't tell dad. There was one particular instance where I got into trouble with my dad and she said that she disagreed with him and that she would have my back and talk to him. And when it came down to it, she said nothing. And so I was punished for it. Little things like that, that broke my trust, even as a little kid. And then you also experienced some dishonesty in other relationships. Yeah, there was one other relationship that was very toxic, lasted on and off for about four and a half years. He was just very dishonest. He would just constantly lie about everything. He lied about being on the basketball team at school. He lied about his family. He lied about just how much money he made. Just everything you think of, he lied about. What would you do when you discovered these lies? Would you confront him? I did. And it did not go well. He would essentially gaslight me and make me feel like I was crazy and, you know, come up with some excuse and somehow end up putting the blame onto me. And it just kind of made me go further into my shell a little bit. When you first got together with Chris, what made you feel like you could or could not trust him? How did you feel going into that when it came to trust? Originally, I felt really good about it. I know he's a good person even now. He's just a good, a good guy. He has a good work ethic. He has good morals. He has a strong relationship with his family. You know, he showed up when he needed him to show up. He called me and said he was going to call. All the things I had been looking for, he was it. And so, yeah, in the beginning, it was really good. Did he know about this history that you've had with trust and especially the history with your mom and the money of the 401k that she was spending? Probably not in detail, but I feel like I definitely mentioned it at least, you know, a couple of times. You said you had conversations even before the marriage about finances and such. Tell me about those conversations. 
We did premarital counseling. We just did a course that was online. And we learned that it's really important to talk about our finances beforehand. And so we did. We talked about what that looked like for us. And at that time, we decided to have one joint account and have our separate bank accounts as well. And as time wore on throughout the marriage, I realized that that was probably not the best decision. It wasn't the best decision because... I think it it allows for a lack of accountability. And I think in, it, in Chris's case, where he has a problem with spending, it's just enabling him. You say he has a problem with spending. Was that something you knew about when you were dating? Yeah, a little bit. We always talked about, oh, I need this, I need this. Especially when it comes to anything techie. He needs a new speaker or something for his computer. I would come over and see, oh, like I didn't realize that you had this. Oh, I just bought it. And so I knew that it was definitely different from the way that I was, but I didn't see it being a major issue at that point. You say you noticed that he got something new, but were you guys looking at the bills together every month? Basically, we paid our bills through our joint account. And then we each had our individual bank account separate. And so his spending, which I found out later, was on his individual account and his credit cards. How did you discover the credit card debt? So in the months prior to me finding out about his finances, I felt that it was really important that we merge finances completely. I just felt like we were married and it was time to work together versus being separate all the time. And I noticed more and more hesitancy from him. And each time I would bring it up and there was hesitancy, I felt like something was off. So about a month ago, it was the week of our one year anniversary. I said to him, okay, if you don't want to merge finances right now, it's okay. Just let me at least see your individual account so I can help you budget because we were a little bit tight. I'm on maternity leave currently. And so, you know, we really need to budget. And then he completely rejected that. Did you ever say to him, why are you not wanting to merge our finances? Yeah, I definitely asked that question. We don't need to do it right now. We can wait until later. That's not an answer to why. That's an answer to what he wants. It's perfectly legitimate if somebody wants to wait, but he's not explaining to you why he wants to wait. And it sounds like you didn't follow up and say, I'm not understanding why this is. Yeah. Because I've been in training with my new job, I've been on a reduced pay. So it was nerve wracking for me, one, to get found and have my financials exposed. But at the other side, it's like I was nervous with our tight budget as it was because I'm paying, you know, a credit card off as well to migrate everything from like one bank account to another because I didn't want something to get missed. And then all of a sudden we've got late fees on top of credit card fees on top of bills. To me, it was just very daunting. So my excuse was wait till I get off my training pay and everything kind of settles out because it was just kind of like a financial rocky place. That was the reason you gave to her. Let me get off the training pay. You didn't tell her the truth. You told her a a partial truth. 
Exactly. Chris, when did the spending start on your end with this credit card debt? And what was your thinking about it, given that you had had these conversations with Anna about finances and she conveyed that she was concerned about it? Shortly after we got married, we bought a house. And then I just kind of started buying things for the house, buying things to go camping, gas, I mean, you name it. Some stuff I would tell her about, some stuff I you know, wouldn't and hope she doesn't notice because they're maybe a little more expensive. But what was your thinking that, okay, I have this deal with her about being responsible financially, but I'm going to get these things anyway and hope she doesn't notice and then I'll cover them at some point? I really didn't give it a whole lot of thought. I mean, I was covering my bills. I was covering my portion of our utilities and mortgage and whatnot. So I didn't really, in my mind, presume it was much of a problem other than, you know, I'm on reduced pay. So, hey, things are getting tight, but like I was still covering my half of everything. So I just figured that, you know, it's okay. I'll pay it off eventually. But you're aware that this is her debt as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, now in the time, my brain really wasn't thinking that way. It it was pretty selfish. It really wasn't putting her into consideration at all. It seems like you've had this habit of overspending for a long time, even before you met Anna. Hmm. Yeah. It's been on and off over my adult life. Do you remember when that started and do you have any sense of what that's about? Oh, as soon as I moved out of my parents' house, it was, hey, I can get things that my parents maybe wouldn't let me get, or I can do whatever I want. And there was really no accountability. And then after the first time, I I was probably 18 or 19, when my parents found out that I had spent, you know, two or $3,000, they bailed me out and I paid them back basically just to get away from the interest rates. And then, you know, six or seven years later, same situation. When this happened twice, when your parents bailed you out the first time and then they bailed you out a second time, what were you thinking about in terms of maybe I have a problem with this or maybe this is compensating for something that I don't have in my life? Did you ever think I need to figure this out? Did it worry you at all? Yeah, it was a thought in my mind. Just, you know, hey, is this really a problem? Why am I reverting to these kind of spending habits? But I honestly just kind of shrugged it off as just being young and and impulsive and it was something that I was going to need to grow out of. Did your parents talk to you about it? Did they say, what's going on here? This is the second time we bailed you out? There was a little bit of a conversation there. It was more of a disappointment and, hey, what the heck are you doing? Pull your head out and figure it out. And that was pretty much the extent of it. It was more of a, hey, you screwed up, not a, why are you doing this? Can we help you? Anna, did you know about these two incidents before you got married? He had mentioned before that he had gotten into some credit card debt at one point, and he didn't go into detail about it. Chris, you mentioned earlier when you were getting into credit card debt, after the first year of marriage, that you're thinking about it was, well, you know, it's my stuff and I'll deal with it. And you weren't thinking, you said, about the fact that actually you're creating debt that's shared equally with Anna and that 
she doesn't even know about this debt that you're creating. And so you were really in solo thinking rather than in partnership kind mm -hmm. of thinking. And I'm yeah. wondering in what other ways, I mean, early phases of the marriage or even the relationship, were you too much on a solo track rather than a true partnership? Whether that's something that characterized your thinking in other aspects of the relationship. It seems like, yeah, it was more like a, an I'm dating this person, not a we are one type of thing. You've said the two options are we are separate people or we are one. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a way of thinking about this that might make you feel a little bit trapped because you are not one even when you are married. You are still going to be two separate people who happen to have a commitment to each other. And part of that commitment is honesty, accountability. But that doesn't mean that you're one person. And I, I don't know where you got that message that somehow when you get married, you are one. Do you have any sense of that? Again, my representation of marriage are two completely separate people that don't really talk to each other, really don't express frustrations and feeling towards each other. It's just kind of two people that cohabitate and raise kids. I don't necessarily think it's we are one, but I definitely think it's we are together on everything. We're a team. In the last few months, I've really formed an understanding of the team of marriage versus the representation that I've grown up with. When I asked Chris whether there were other aspects in the relationship in which he was thinking as an individual rather than as a member of a partnership, you were nodding your head. What did you see in terms of other aspects in which you weren't forming a full partnership or that Chris was still operating as a solo player? I think the finances were a big one. Also just little things like he would have conversations with his mom about our relationship that I felt was inappropriate. He would, you know, share things like that that shouldn't be shared in my opinion. What kinds of things was he sharing with her? There was one instance where he talked about my health issues and those were very personal to me and they I asked him not to share any with anyone and he shared with his mom. Chris, that sounds so much like what your mom did by talking to you instead of your father. Mm -hmm. Knowing that Anna didn't want that shared, did you at the time that you were talking to your mom think I really shouldn't be telling my mom this, but I'm doing it anyway because I need to or what was the thinking? So my mom is a nurse and so it kind of crossed my mind like, hey, she doesn't want me to talk about this, but I'm concerned. And this is the person that I go to to talk about things I'm worried or concerned about. Who, growing up, I've always been able to talk to her about medical things on a very professional style level. And so when she had issues medically, that's the person that I felt like I could go talk to. I think the conversation that didn't happen was... Anna, I really love you and I care about you. And I'm really anxious about this medical stuff that's going on with you. And I feel like I don't have enough information for me to know if I should be worried or not worried. 
and I'd like to get a straight answer from someone I trust. She might still have said no, but I think what was missing was the emotional piece, was the, I'm so worried about you, I care about you, but at least then Anna could know that you're worried and could maybe find a way to get the information that in a way that makes her comfortable. Maybe yeah. it's not from your mom. Maybe it's a different person, but you'd still get the information. Mm-hmm. So you see what happens when you're not communicating what you're feeling with each other. Yeah. I think another part that you learned from your parents growing up was that even if you do talk about something, if you disagree, I can't push back and say, actually, this is something that's really troubling me. So this idea that Laurie's saying you can have that kind of discussion, is it clear to you even today that you can have that kind of discussion that when you talk with Anna, it's not just to hear her opinion and then, okay, I have to do that, but you get to push back if something's important, to voice your side of things in a very clear way. I would say that I'm clear about it and working on expressing that when I feel it. So right now, Anna's pregnant. And I'm wondering what that has been like for both of you. Is this when the spending and the porn sites all started? Or was this going on before that? It was going on before. Mm-hmm. Before you got married? No, it was, was kind of when we got married and we moved in together. And our work takes us away both of us for a couple days at a time, I was feeling, you know, disconnected from our relationship when she's traveling or when I'm traveling, when we come back from work, it's, we're both tired. We don't really want to talk right away. And so I think that I was very internalizing a lot of that in unhealthy ways. So again, this was something where you didn't say to her, I'm feeling really disconnected when we're both away. From each other. Mm-hmm, exactly. Did you both decide that you wanted to go ahead and try to get pregnant at the same time? Or how was this talked about? It was a conversation, quite a few conversations. We both kind of decided like, hey, like we're ready to start taking the next step and building a family. And what was it like finding out that you're pregnant? Well, first I thought there's something seriously wrong had happened. She came outside yelling, Chris, 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 and crying. And then she showed me a pregnancy stick when she found out. And we both just kind of sat there. I was elated and excited. She was bawling her eyes out. Bawling your eyes out because you were excited? Yeah. We had been trying for, at that point, about six or seven months There had been a lot of disappointment, a lot of anxiety. And so to have that positive pregnancy test was just very, very special. How did you both deal with that period when you were trying to get pregnant and it wasn't happening? That can be incredibly stressful. Were you both talking about how you felt? No, not really. I was showing how emotional I was about it. And Chris was just kind of internalizing things and... To me, it felt like he maybe didn't care about it as much as I did or wasn't hurting as much as I was, but I think he just kept it inside. When you were feeling very strongly and you saw him, you thought not feeling as strongly, did you ask him how he's feeling? Did you express that you were feeling very disappointed? I expressed how I was feeling. I don't think I 
asked him how he was feeling and that's something that I should have done. I think I was just so overwhelmed with emotions that I feel like I was being selfish in that respect. I didn't ask him how he was feeling. And Chris, was that the time that you were starting to use porn? Because as it might have been related to the stress that you were feeling. Yeah, I was trying to reassure Anna that, you know, God has a plan. And it's kind of how I've always lived my life is, is God's got a plan for us and things happen when they're meant to happen. I may not understand why things are the way they are. But I feel like in in retrospect, down the road, they tend to make more sense. I was trying to let her know, hey, you know, it didn't happen this month, but, you know, God's got a plan and it's going to happen when it's meant to happen for us. And then I felt like that wasn't received. You know, she'd be very frustrated um, looking back, understandably. But I felt like I was just pushed off emotionally. This is why I pointed out that phrase that you used, we are one, because you're not one. And here's an example of Anna feeling a certain way. She's feeling disappointment. She's feeling anxiety. She's worried. What if I never get pregnant? What does this mean? She's futurizing the whole thing. And she needs some support. And you're saying to her, God has a plan, it'll all work out, which is very different from how she was feeling. And at the same time, she wasn't really inquiring about how you were feeling and what was going on with you. So both of you were in your own silos and feeling very isolated and very alone and very disconnected as you're going through this experience together. And that's layered on top of all of the other stuff that we've been talking about that you're bringing with you around your own histories. And so I can see how you guys got further away from each other instead of closer during this time that you weren't able to offer the other person any kind of support that you attempted to. But instead, she heard that as I am so alone here, my husband has no idea what I am experiencing. And you're feeling like, well, I'm trying to reassure her, but she's rejecting this. Yeah. And on top of that, when she was feeling upset and hurt and alone, I was even pushed off further because she would have a very short temper. She obviously is, is hurting and I, I couldn't figure out how or what I can do to help. I just felt like I was kind of the problem. But Chris, do you see the connection between how your reassurance to Anna of God has a plan, it'll all work out, it didn't land well with her, but it wasn't sufficient for you either because it didn't resolve your tension and your distance that you felt. And do you see the connection between those times and you turning to porn for comfort or for distraction? Because that happened at the same time. I'm wondering if you can see your use of porn as a way to manage emotions and manage frustrations and manage distance. Yeah, it was like a kind of barrier from real life, just kind of removing myself from from a situation and, you know, being distracted. And that is much more likely to happen when you don't know how else to deal with the situation. Yeah. Can you tell Anna now how you were feeling during that time? I felt like I was being pushed away by 
the way that she was being frustrated and the best way I, I can describe it is very snappy and short. Cause at the time we were also dealing with some other issues as far as our relationship with talking to other people still talking to other people still meaning what coworker from my old job, just talking to people online. I would turn to video games as well as, as finding some sort of like way to just kind of get away from everything and ended up Snapchatting once or rather I gave my Snapchat out online and somebody had messaged me back the next day. I just snapped him back and said, Hey, I screwed up. I'm married. No, but that definitely drove a big wedge in between us and kind of really, really kicked off the shortness with me. How did, Anna find out about that. And then how did you two try to repair the trust after that? We were camping and it was just on my phone on Snapchat. She's like, hey, who is this person? And we talked about it, but I didn't feel like she was ever really able or willing to try and rebuild trust. You said you were just trying to move on. What did that mean to you to move on when the trust had been broken and how did you imagine it would get repaired what did move on look like to you move on to me looked like you know understanding what i had done wrong and removing that temptation and us being able to kind of how we are now being able to talk to each other about Hey, this is why I'm frustrated. You did this. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Much healthier conversations. And I never felt like any of those conversations were really willing to be had at the time. Anna, when that happened, what did you need in order to start to rebuild some trust with Chris? I think I needed the full truth. And at that point, it was hard to tell if I was getting the full truth. Why did you think you weren't getting the full truth? Was he telling part of the story and you had to keep asking follow-up questions? Yeah. Yeah, I I kept having to kind of dig deeper. I'm like, okay, you know, explain this a little bit more because it's not making sense. Also paired with the fact that in previous times, it's been the same thing where um, I feel like I have to pull it out of him in order to get the full truth. Tell Chris right now what you would have needed at the time. I needed you to come forward before getting caught and let me know, hey, I messed up and this is what happened. Since that was not the case, after the fact, I needed you to fully own what you did and Asked me how it made me feel because it was incredibly hurtful. And at that point we had just gotten married and, you know, it was devastating for me. So when Chris is saying, I tried to talk about it and see how she felt, but she didn't want to have the conversation. I'm confused about how that played out. I wanted to have the conversation, but I don't feel like he was going about it the right way. In my mind, it didn't seem like 
he really wanted to take accountability for what had happened. I think he wanted to just move on and for me to forgive him and everything to go back to normal. So the subtext that you heard when he's asking you what's going on and how you're feeling is, let's just check the box here and just get the, okay, yeah, things are fine, so I can take myself out of the doghouse. You didn't feel that it was sincere enough. Yeah. I also needed him to just be patient with me because it's a process to move on from something like that. It doesn't happen overnight. I needed time. I needed time to heal from it. Were you voicing that, that you needed more time? Probably not in a great way. I was very angry and I probably was very short-tempered and didn't ask it in the right way. I imagine that finding this out when you're newly married must have brought up all kinds of questions for you, especially given your history around trust. And then there had been that earlier incident as well. And it sounds like Chris wasn't asking about what this was like for you or wasn't very curious about it, probably because he was scared and knew he had messed up and didn't want it to have any catastrophic consequences for your marriage. Is that right, Chris? Mm -hmm. And yet what happened was in order to kind of protect the marriage, Chris, in your mind, you ended up weakening the marriage because now Anna's walking around feeling like you're not interested in my experience of this. I am alone in all of these questions that I have. Is our marriage going to make it? How do I protect myself from this happening again? Can I ever trust you again? What does this mean for us? We just got married. And I have a feeling that until this was discovered again with the debt and the porn, that it just kind of got swept under the rug, that this hasn't really been discussed. So what we want to help you with today is how not to do that now. And I think one conversation that we haven't had yet today is this idea that you both might have different ideas. So you don't have different ideas about honesty. Chris, you haven't been able to uphold your own value around honesty right? Yeah. But I think you might have different ideas about what constitutes cheating or betrayal. For example, talking to that coworker and saying, how is your day? If it truly was platonic, and Chris, you'll have to be honest with us about this. Was it truly platonic or was there maybe something going on there? Looking backwards, I could have been using it as an emotional crutch to feel validated because we weren't effectively communicating and in terms of porn, Anna, you said, I consider that infidelity. Not everybody does. And what matters is what it means to the two of you. Can you both talk about your feelings about what it means to be in this relationship where you're not betraying the other person? What are the boundaries? Have you ever had a real specific conversation about that? We did recently. and. We agreed that for right now, porn would um, have to go completely. You say we agreed and that's sort of an action, but in terms of just how you both view what it means to not betray your partner, what it means to be loyal to your partner, 
it sounds like, Anna, you have this idea that using porn is infidelity. And Chris might not have that idea. Yeah. I think for me, the point where it reached infidelity in my mind was the OnlyFans piece. You do subscribe to these women and that felt more personal to me. Maybe it wasn't completely being unfaithful, but I certainly don't feel like it was being faithful in our marriage. It makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. And Chris, I have a question for you. When Anna says, yeah, we agreed that the porn has to go. I just want to check in with you. If you truly agree the porn has to go, that's one thing. If you don't truly agree, but you just agreed to it, then that's when you're still going to have the impulse to do it. And you're going to have the impulse to do it when you're feeling disconnected or when you're feeling a distance. So I just want to get a sense of how much you're on board with that. I'm full on board with it. I really don't actually need this. I can talk to her if I'm frustrated. There's so many other ways to go about it rather than trying to fill some sort of void with porn. When you were on social media with that coworker and you were saying, how's your day? And Anna said, I just wanted him to ask me that. Do you know why you weren't asking that? I think that I would every once in a while, but I feel like at the time there was a lot of disconnect between us that had just built up over time. And so when you feel disconnected, instead of coming closer, you retreat. Yeah. Instead of saying, we're disconnected, so I want to see, Anna, how are you? Let's reconnect. You go somewhere else. I agree. And I think that we both kind of do the same thing because it's like, I know when she's feeling disconnected, I feel like she's very much pushing me off or like trying to push me away. That's not when she's feeling disconnected. That's when she's feeling hurt. Yeah. Those are very different. Yeah, you are correct. When she's feeling disconnected, it sounds like she tries to come toward you and then she doesn't get that. And then she feels hurt and then she retreats. And when you're feeling disconnected, do you feel rejected? Do you feel hurt? What do you feel? I feel rejected for sure. And just lonely. So you each are able to love one another because we do get the sense that you love one another. And yet you can each really hurt one another. And you have not yet developed adequate tools to come toward one another in those moments, to have discussions that bring you closer, that breach the gap. And instead, what happens is something that typically makes you feel worse, each of you, in in your own way. Today, I have no problems with it at all. I feel like since I've been ousted for financial spending in my debt, that kind of broke down all of the barriers that I have as far as constantly trying to hide things. It's miserable. We've saw a marriage counselor that has been very good. I've also sought personal counseling that helps me kind of deal with that. But I feel like where we're at today, I have absolutely no problem telling Anna, hey, you know, I'm feeling disconnected today or, hey, you know, I'm just in an off mood and I'm quiet today. Okay, that's good to hear. Anna, for you, though, since you're dealing with mistrust 
at this time still, it might feel even scarier than to be truly vulnerable and to open up because that's a trusting act to say to someone, here's what I'm feeling and here's where I'm hurting. So where are you with that today? I would say I'm trying really hard to be vulnerable and to, you know, be open and trust that he is working on things and that he is willing to change. It still is hard. I'm still very hurt and it's still raw. And, you know, I'm also pregnant. And so I have all these emotions and they get the best of me, you know, every now and then. But I, I would say I am trying to overcome that. Do you feel that this time, as opposed to the other times, that Chris is being fully accountable for deceiving you and for the dishonesty? I do. We have merged finances, and so we both have access to seeing everything that's going on. I have all of his passwords. We are bringing a baby into the world, and that has impacted him as well. And he knows that I'm very serious. If the pattern of dishonesty and deception continues, he will lose me as his wife, and that will change the time he gets to spend with his daughter as well. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, I do trust that he is serious about it, but it's still hard. What do you think you need from him in order to rebuild the trust in a way that eventually, because it's going to take time, eventually feels solid to you? I think the most important thing for me is when he messes up, because he will, because no one is perfect. What does Um, that mean, he messes up? How do you imagine? If he looks at porn or if he spends, you know, more than he knows that he should without talking to me first, something like that, it would be very helpful if he came to me first before me finding out and saying, hey, I messed up. This is what happened. Because that to me is so, so crucial. It's not waiting to get caught, to be honest and do the right thing. What I'm thinking about is that dynamic that happens with his parents where he went to them and said twice, I messed up to the tune of several thousand dollars. And they said, we will bail you out. And I wonder, Chris, if you imagine that if you go to Anna and say, hey, I messed up, that she's going to be like your parents and say, okay, well, you know, I'll let it slide. I'll be mad at you and it'll be unpleasant, but nothing's really fundamentally going to change. And I wonder if you really understand what the difference is between what you've done in the past when you've messed up and what you might do now in this adult marriage. I think I do. I mean, there's a lot riding on my honesty. Right. But what I'm talking about is that when you were honest with your parents, they bailed you out. Mm -hmm. And so far, Anna's bailed you out. You've come to her or she's discovered things. Mm -hmm. But either way, what she's saying is, I need you to come to me. But I think she's saying something more, which is not just I need you to come to me, but that I'm not necessarily going to bail you out. Yeah. And, you know, she hasn't really necessarily bailed me out. Well, she's here. Yeah. You know, I don't expect her to ever stay if 
any of this stuff continues. Because that's a lot to deal with from her perspective. So what are you going to do to find healthier ways to deal with these feelings of disconnection or loneliness that won't be so harmful to your marriage? I'm trying to be more present in my actions right now, not so passive and just like reacting how I react, but like being conscious of how I'm reacting to things and how I'm feeling in the moments, trying to hold myself accountable. How do you both feel at this point in the conversation about where you are with trust and all of the changes that are about to happen and being able to come closer together as opposed to farther apart. I feel hopeful. It does concern me, you know, that in a few months we are going to be having a baby and there are a lot of stressors that come with that, but I am hopeful. We just need to keep reminding each other to have those conversations. Do you see your role in holding back as well? I do. I think I'm still struggling a little bit with all these emotions and feeling very hurt. And it's hard for me still to open up and be vulnerable, but I do feel like I can do that now. Can you tell him right now what all these emotions are? I feel very, very hurt by you. I feel betrayed. I feel like the vows that we said on our wedding day weren't as important to you as they were to me. And I'm very anxious and sad. I think the main theme here that encapsulates all of that is I don't feel safe. Yeah. Chris, what was going on for you as she was saying this? What goes on in your body when you hear this from her? It was heartbreaking. Say more about that. I want to, you know, be able to lean into her as as she needs to be able to lean into me. It's hurtful to know that I'm not a person that she can feel comfortable talking to about things. And I expressed a lot of concern for the future. Could you respond to her now and in response to the worries that she has to her? I think that your concerns are completely valid. I've completely broken your trust multiple times and retreated from you when I'm hurting. I'm trying very, very hard to be present and and take steps to rebuild the trust that I've broken because I want to build a safe place for you. Are you hurting right now? You said you retreat when you're hurting. Are you hurting right now? A little bit. Can you tell Anna about how you're hurting? It's just, you know, hard to hear that I've hurt you. Are you hurting also because you feel lonely? Not right now. Mm. So talking about this makes you feel less lonely. Yeah. It's really relieving being able to to talk to about it really tell me what the tears are about it's just a release of emotion it's just hard you know knowing that i've done these things to hurt her and 
you know, it hurts to hear it. I think the tears might also be related to what you said about it's a relief to be able to talk about this. Oh, it's a huge relief. When I told her about the $15,000 in credit card debt, being able to talk about it, like I feel a hundred times better than I ever did trying to hide what I was doing just because it's like, it's out there. And that was like a huge pressure relief was taken off by expressing those things that I was hiding. You know, Chris, it's so important to remember this because this is how you feel after you open up. This is how you feel after you're completely honest. You feel connected. Oh yeah. You feel hurt, but you feel connected. And the default that you have is to run away and increase the disconnection. And this feels very scary before you do it. This feels like this is going to make things worse. It's counterintuitive. It feels like owning what I really did and taking responsibility and really talking about that directly will just inflame. But this is what allows you to feel connected. And it's super important that you remember that as painful as it is, it's the connection yeah. that you want. Yeah. And this is what helps Chris feel connected. What helps you feel connected? What's the most connected that you feel when you're talking? What has to happen that helps you feel what Chris is feeling right now? I think just him coming to me and expressing how he feels, saying, you know, I'm sad or I'm hurt because of of so-and-so. Just hearing him express his emotions like that. Right now, are you feeling more connected to him as he's expressing these emotions? Yeah. Chris and Anna, we have some advice for you. The first part is we'd like you to have a monthly finance meeting. Find that time, put it in the schedule every month. Shouldn't take that long. Just to go over the bills. You should discuss a dollar amount above which you need to consult with one another before spending it, below which you have the autonomy to do that. You might consider creating a budget together in that meeting so that you have even more accountability on finances. But if you have a monthly touch point on finances, which has been a sore spot, then you know your spending can't get too out of control, Chris, and, and Anna, you'll have more eyes on what's going on. And it'll just create a certain regularity. So we'd like you to put that into the schedule and have the first one of those this week. And this way too, it becomes a partnership that you're working together on the finances, that it's not one or the other or doing things separately and without the other's knowledge. The second thing is we would like you to schedule a weekly feelings meeting. And I know that does not sound necessarily appealing to people who don't like to talk about their feelings, but we want it to be really fun. And there's a structure to it. And it goes like this. You have 30 minutes total. So it will not go over 30 minutes because you will be very busy and you won't have time. And we want this to be something that feels realistic. You set a timer for five minutes. You flip a coin to see who goes first. And what you do in those five minutes, the person who goes first, is you share anything about your inner experience from that week that you would like the other person to know. It could be about the relationship, like when you did that, it made me feel this. Or I really liked when you did that, that made me feel so good. Or this thing is happening at work and I'm really stressed about it. Or this is my reaction to the baby and I'm having trouble with parenting. Could be anything. 
That's your five minutes. During that five minutes, the other person is listening. They are not talking. They are taking in. This is the other person's experience, even if it's different from mine. And then set a timer for five minutes. Person gets to respond. How can you support that person? How do you want to respond to that person in a loving way that feels connecting for both of you? Next five minutes, the other person who didn't get to talk gets to talk about their inner experience. And then you switch again. You can do this just the once where each person gets their chance. So that's five, 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 talking, listening, talking, listening. Or you might want to keep repeating it through the 30 minutes. But at 30 minutes, it's over. And hopefully you're talking about your feelings during the week too. But this makes sure that things don't get swept under the rug. If someone's feeling disconnected, they're not like, oh, well, we're so busy or the other person's stressed and I don't want to bring it up. And you should do it over if you like having a glass of wine, if you like having dessert, if you want to take a walk. It should be fun and something that you both look forward to, like a relief from everything else that's going on during the week. We get to come together and get support from each other and be together as a couple. Try very hard, Chris, especially not thoughts, feelings. So make sure you're talking about actual feelings, not thoughts, because those are different. And the last thing we'd like you to do is we'd like you to come up with a constitution of your marriage. And what that means is we'd like each of you to sit down and write a list of things, which have two parts. Number one, what I expect of you, Chris, you would write Anna as my husband. And then after that, what my expectation of myself is as your wife. And we want you to do each of those separately and then come together again this week and read them to one another. That's the constitution and give real thought to it because this is the bedrock on which you'll be building the foundation. So make sure it's a bedrock that really speaks to you and that you've covered what you need in its foundational. And one of the reasons we want you to do that is because many people come into marriage and they don't talk about what their expectations are for the marriage. They use old models, they use fantasy, they use all kinds of things, and they never actually discuss with each other, what do we want our marriage to look like? What do we expect from each other and what do we expect from ourselves? And so when you have that, it provides both accountability and transparency. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I, and I kind of agree too. It's like, we didn't have those kind of talks and it was just kind of winging it in the marriage and there was really no expectation of how this is going to go. We've both been modeled two very different kinds of things for marriage. And you're going to create your own unique experience of what you want your constitution to look like. And it should be a fun activity to really think about and do together. Exciting. It's looking toward the future. It's looking toward what we can be together. And this is what our expectations are in order to build that. Yeah. So we look forward to hearing how this goes for you guys this week. So we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. You know, what's interesting with Chris and Anna is that it's very clear that they care for each other, but there are some basic foundational aspects to their relationship that they never quite figured out. And that's what the task is before them now. Yeah, and I think that these issues that have come up, not only in this relationship, but in earlier relationships are things that sometimes people don't talk about and that come out once they're married. And I think that even though this is so distressing and painful to go through, the silver lining here 
is that it is forcing them to really consider what is the stuff we're bringing from our history into this relationship and what can we do to create the kind of relationship that we didn't have before, but that we want mutually. And I'm so excited to see what they do with the Constitution, because I think that these are the conversations that many people need to have that they never do until something forces it. Absolutely. I ask so many couples whether they've had that conversation about setting expectations. What are the understandings they have about what their marriage should be and how it should be different from what they've seen around them. Very few couples have that conversation. And I think it's important that they're doing that at the same time that they're repairing this rupture because it will really make them sit down and think very deeply about what they want and how to move forward. You're listening to Dear Therapists. We'll be back after a short break. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of times you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Guy, we heard back from Anna and Chris, and let's hear how things went for them this week. Hey, Guy and Lori. We just wanted to check back in with you guys after working on our assignments. Let's let you know how everything's going. So, we have been doing the weekly feelings check-ins. We feel like they've been going very well. So, it's been really nice that we are both able to talk um, uninterrupted about how a situation made us feel. We can feel like we've been heard and we can use that to spark positive and constructive conversations. We also have incorporated those feelings check-ins into our most recent couples therapy session and had a really positive discussion about how an argument that we had earlier that morning affected both of us. And I feel like that went really well. 
It's also been nice because it's allowed us to both feel like we've been heard and it's just been sparking really good conversation. We've also been doing the monthly financial meetings. Those are going really well. We've continued to discuss our boundaries and reevaluate them on a weekly basis. We currently have a whiteboard that we've set up in our living room and that allows us to show our monthly obligations and allow us to visualize and discuss what we both have going on. So we were both a part of a single conversation instead of two separate parts. And so we're both on the same page about everything that's going on financially. As far as the constitutions for our marriage, so we've been working on those. We both do want the main theme of this to be better together and just really show how working as a team is just better in so many ways. We just want to let you guys know that we really appreciate everything you guys have done to help us. And we're going to incorporate a lot of that stuff into our everyday life and set up some really good foundational conversations that we're able to continue. What I really liked about that from an overview perspective is that these tasks were incorporated, as they said, into all kinds of aspects of their lives. They brought it into the couples therapy. They have a whiteboard in the living room. They have these regular meetings set up. And so they're really trying to change their perspective on what their marriage is and what their couplehood is. And I love the theme they came up with, Better Together as a Guide for the constitution that they're working on. I think it's great that they're finally communicating because both of them had come into this relationship and this marriage with patterns around avoidance. So when he would get into debt when he was younger, things weren't really spoken about and he would try to self-soothe in these other ways. And I think with her, she also didn't know how to have these conversations. So I think they did quite a bit. They really started opening up the lines of communication around finances, around their feelings, around what is our marriage. And I hope that when they continue to work on the Constitution, that's going to take them even deeper with the communication and also with the accountability. Just one thing I want to highlight is sometimes we make points with couples that they really need to make a course correction. And we don't often say what the size of the correction needs to be. But sometimes it needs to be big. And when I'm hearing that they went from having the secretive credit card debt where things were all handled in private and in secret to whiteboard in living room, that's a big correction. So that also is very heartening to me because when you really get that you need to make a big change and you both get it and you're both doing it, it's a positive sign. And putting it in the living room where you can't really avoid it. So it's not like, oh, it's this file somewhere and we're never going to look at it. They're really saying we are putting this right out in the open so we cannot be in denial about this. We are going to put everything there where we both can see it and there are going to be no secrets anymore. And I agree with you about the Constitution. It's a work in progress. And I really hope that the principle of these changes will stay with them, which is... We have to be a partnership. And part of that, too, is how do we resolve conflicts? I loved hearing that they were able to use the feelings exercise to then bring that into the couples therapy and then be able to talk about an argument that they had and both feel like that was a really productive conversation. For our listeners, that is something you can do as well. When you find yourself getting into conflict, pausing to express and listen without interruption to what the feelings are that are coming up for each person 
can be a very positive way to redirect the conversation into being more productive. When we think about what was going on here, there was this deceit, there was this betrayal, but really what it is, is there are lots of unexpressed feelings that got people into a situation in the first place. And so I'm really glad they're dealing with what they actually need to deal with going forward. Next week, we're checking in with Lauren, who came to us feeling a lot of shame around her lack of sexual experience, to hear how she's doing one year later. I, I actually met someone. I met a guy who I really, really liked. And for the first time in my life, I was able to actually tell this guy what I liked about him, what I didn't like. You know, if he did something I didn't like, I brought it to his attention in a gentle way, out like pointing the finger. And he actually appreciated how I communicated with them. If you're enjoying our podcast, don't forget to subscribe for free so that you don't miss any episodes. And please help support Dear Therapists by telling your friends about it and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews really help people to find the show. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, email us at laurieandguy at iheartmedia.com. Our executive producer is Noel Brown. We're produced and edited by Josh Fisher. Additional editing support by Helena Rosen, John Washington, and Zachary Fisher. Our interns are Ben Bernstein, Emily Gutierrez, and Silva Lifton. And special thanks to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Kurek. We can't wait to see you at our next session. Dear Therapists is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.